Hey, buenas noches, good evening, and uh, let's see what's going on with my talking. Uh, I was adding, um, submitting exhibits past couple of hours, several hours. Diaper Don braces for financial devastation as trial ends. Diaper Don lets it slip. Biggest fear about the Supreme Court. Fed up Jack Smith blast. Diaper Don in court doesn't hold back. Sounds awesome. Let's hear that. I had no idea what 100 calories looked like until I tried this. I thought I was eating healthy, but I never realized I was eating over 3,000... Jack Smith responds to Donald Trump's motion for sanctions by saying, dude, get real. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but let's discuss. I'm Dave Ehrenberg, state attorney for Palm Beach County. Florida lawman. Florida lawman here on the Midas Touch Network. I want to thank everyone for all your views, your likes, and your comments. I try to read them all. I appreciate this community very much. So let's discuss why Jack Smith had to set Donald Trump straight in a recent pleading where Donald Trump had tried to get Judge Shutkin to levy sanctions against Smith because Jack Smith violated the stay of the proceedings in Washington, D.C. So what happened was is that Jack Smith filed the, uh, the four-count indictment against Donald Trump, and what happened was Donald Trump tried to delay matters because that's his strategy. And one of his ways of delaying it was to ask Judge Hutkin to give him presidential immunity, absolute immunity for anything he did while he was president. Judge Hutkin said, nope. And then Trump appealed to the DC Circuit Court of Appeals. And while the appeal was pending, Judge Hutkin issued a stay, meaning a pause of all the proceedings. Jack Smith, however, is always one step ahead. Jack Smith sent Donald Trump discovery, meaning some evidence in the case, so Trump can see it. These are disclosures that prosecutors must give. He sent Trump an exhibit list. He even made a motion for uh, a motion in limine. A motion in limine is to prevent Trump from going into irrelevant uh, details at the trial, preventing him from saying crazy things like Jack Smith is politically motivated and Joe Biden is directing Smith to prosecute Trump and that Smith's wife is a Democrat and so therefore he should be uh, taken off the case. I mean, crazy stuff like Hugo Chavez's ghost is the reason why the election was stolen and that's why Trump was doing what he did. So. Jack Smith has done all these things while the stay is in effect. So Donald Trump is saying, no, 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 sanction him. And this is where it gets really interesting. First, Trump is saying you cannot file motions while the stay is in effect. But how did Trump do it? He's doing it by filing a motion. So essentially, <laughs> he is filing a motion to say you cannot file motions. Okay, see the irony there. Donald Trump is saying that Jack Smith is playing politics with this motion, which is crazy because Trump's whole strategy is to play politics with all of this. He goes out and 
he condemns Smith and goes after judges, prosecutors. He tries to win this in the court of public opinion while Jack Smith does his talking in the pleadings, in the four corners of his documents. So it really is the pot calling the kettle black when Donald Trump is accusing Jack Smith of being political here by filing these motions. But Smith is one step ahead because he's filing these motions for a few reasons. Number one, he wants to get ready when the stay is lifted because Trump is not going to get presidential immunity here for his crimes. There is no such state. We do not have a king. We have a president. This is why we left the crown. So Trump is going to lose on the question of absolute presidential immunity. He'll lose at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, who I believe will then remove the stay, and it, it goes back to Judge Chutkin and it's game on. I think the Supreme Court will then defer to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals ruling here. This is a no-brainer. But Trump's uh, intent is to win by losing. What he wants to do is to delay matters, and if he can delay it bit by bit, then the case that he is most scared of, which is this case in Washington, D.C., for election interference, will then get pushed to pass after the election. So that's what he's trying to do. He wants this case to be tried after the election. When he thinks he'll be president, then he can order his attorney general to, pardon. to end it all. That's a strategy. He pardon himself. As far as the other cases, they are likely not going to go until after the election with the possibility of the New York Stormy Daniels case. But this case, the D.C. election interference case, is the greatest existential threat to Trump's future freedom, and Trump knows it. The funniest thing about this is that Donald Trump and his legal team are saying that they're going to pull a Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they're going to refuse to open up their eyes and look at the glow of these documents. You know, they're going to uh, tie themselves to the mast and blindfold themselves and and whatnot. You don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe they're going to ignore this valuable discovery on their doorstep or the exhibit list or the motion and limine. No, they want to get every advantage. And so they'll say they're not looking at it, but we know better. In fact, this reminds me of people who order, you know, at a restaurant, say they order like burger and fries. Uh, and uh, when the uh, fries come, they say, no, 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 I wanted curly fries. And so uh, while the waiter is gone, they're eating the regular fries in front of them. And so the waiter comes back and, you know, the regular <laughs> fries are gone. And now they get the curly fries as well. So that's the kind of shenanigans that Donald Trump is going to be playing <laughs> here. No, I'm not going to read it. Yeah, uh, they will. And uh, they're going to try to get every advantage possible. But Jack Smith remains one step ahead. Uh, and you can tell by the language in his response to the motion for sanctions. In Jack Smith's response, he says, nothing here materials that he is not obligated to review or the early filing of government pleadings, which he, is, he does not yet need to respond, possibly burdensome. And it's true. There's nothing that stops a prosecutor from providing information early. It, there's nothing that stops a prosecutor from filing motions early. And if Judge Shotkin had an issue with it, she would tell the prosecution to stop doing it. She hasn't done so yet. She's not going to do so. In fact, Trump knows he's going to lose his motion for sanctions, just like he knows he's going to lose his request for a presidential immunity. So why is he doing it? He's doing it for three reasons. First, Trump is trying to slow this case down. He wants lots of paperwork. He wants lots of disputes. He doesn't want a trial. Second, 
this is a way for Donald Trump to respond publicly to Jack Smith, who really had the stage all to himself. And this day occurred, and Jack Smith filed his exhibits and his discovery and his motion in limine. He was able to get press coverage and really a, uh, a mic, a microphone that was just Jack Smith. Donald Trump was not able to respond because he said, we can't respond. It's a stay. Well, this is his way of saying, yeah, it's a stay, and we can't respond, but I'm going to respond anyways. And if you do a Google search, you'll see there have been a bunch of articles about Trump's motion for sanctions, even though it's not going to happen. <laughs> but he got what he wanted out of it by getting a chance to respond and getting the 24-hour news cycle in his favor. But it's not going to last. That brings me to the third reason. Uh, the third reason is that Trump is playing for the next call. If you're a fan of sports, you know that coaches will yell at refs, not thinking that the ref is going to reverse the call, but they're playing for the next call. They want to get in the ref's head to think that they're going to soften the ref up for a future call. And I think this is an attempt by Trump to try to get future favorable decisions from Judge Chuck and knowing he's going to lose this one. Uh, but if he complains loud enough that maybe when he wants an extension later, he'll get it. Maybe if he then can complain to Judge Huck and say, I haven't reviewed these documents. You know why we haven't reviewed these documents. Don't make me go to trial any sooner than I need to. <laughs> so this is trying to play for future calls. But look, none of this is going to work. This case in Washington, D.C. is a really strong one. Not to mention the substance of the case. But also, look at the jury pool. You're dealing with Washington, D.C., where it is amongst the bluest places anywhere. I mean, it, they gave Trump 5% of the vote in 2020. So the jury pool is going to be really bad for Trump, not to mention the substance. I mean, we're at the three-year anniversary of January 6th, and <laughs> Donald Trump is going to be put on trial for the first time. Probably fucking hate his guts in D.C. January 6th, his attempts to overturn the election. And Jack Smith has made this in a tight, limited case because it's built for speed. Only four counts no co-defendants, and he's got a judge who ain't messing around and judge trying to get Chutkin. So stay tuned. Right on. That's the latest. I'm Dave Ehrenberg, state attorney for Palm Beach County, a.k.a. the Florida Lawman. If you like this video, please like it, and I'll see you next <laughs> time. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? We can yeah, the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. Follow us now. Wonder if he's single. <laughs> I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a Google search on him. <sighs> That's not that type of Aaron Berg. Just carry it. Bird. Dave Ehrenberg. Uh, okay, twenty fifteen. He married a cheerleader. There you go. Oh wait, David and Lynn Ehrenberg. Twenty fifth. Oh, oh, they they got. A divorce settlement. <laughs> they got a divorce already. Said she wanted children. He and Lynn were married in May 2015 in a sunset ceremony on St. Pete Beach. 
They have no children, which was a problem for Lynn. She said she wanted children. Release. PDF. Putting into someone calling the Trump divorce. Boca Raton, Florida. What's someone calling the Trump divorce? What would it, why do they call it the Trump divorce? Palm Beach County State Attorney Dave Ehrenberg, a Democrat and former Miami Dolphins cheerleader and PR pro Lynn Ehrenberg, a Republican, have signed a divorce settlement putting an amicable end to their marriage, which began with a proposal at the Eiffel Tower 23 months ago. Lynn released the following statement on behalf of both herself and the state attorney after much considering of consideration over the past few months we've decided to respectfully and amicably part ways and end our marriage now we're married two years we are however dedicated to remaining close friends kindly ask for your support and preserving your privacy as we start to navigate this new chapter of our lives now according to a source familiar with the negotiations former lynn lewis who spun her old dolphins gig into a successful pr firm is receiving about a hundred thousand dollars worth of benefits in exchange for her signature on the dotted line the deal calls for ehrenberg to pay for half of lynn's rent in a luxury boca raton condo until next summer she's also reportedly getting a brand new bmw and forty thousand dollars cash her now ex-husband served in the state senate for nearly 10 years She's eyeing a run for the U.S. Congress in a district that includes Palm Beach, Mar Marin Martin, and St. Lucia, Lucy, Lucia counties. Oh, great. He's going to run for Congress. Super duper. So that was, what, 2018 or something? That was... Washington, what? Washington Post. Divorce Settlement 2. Welcome. Dave Ehrenberg on Instagram. Why a Florida woman blames Trump selfies for her divorce. A former Miami Dolphins cheerleader and the top prosecutor in Palm Beach County, Florida, respectfully decided to. That sounded kind of like that press release sounded like he wrote that. Um. The news release begins with a statement as terse and vague as you would expect from a high-profile couple confirming their divorce after reporters got wind of it. Laban They announced a joint statement last week. We kindly asked for so far so standard. And then mystifyingly, the next seven paragraphs of the news release are spent obliterating privacy and expectations alike. The release, which was issued by Quotes almost verbatim from a gossip website about the brand new BMW. 
and tens of thousands of dollars that she apparently extracted from her husband in a settlement. $40,000. Why do they say tens of thousands? It claims that the state attorney's reluctance to have children contributed to the breakup. Reluctance. No, it didn't. Let's fucking say that. And it concludes with a line that would propel the couple's divorce case from Palm Beach County gossip pages to international news. A staunch Republican and supporter of president. Oh. Well, I didn't see that. A staunch Republican and supporter of President Donald Trump. Oh, cool. That's cool. The deal breaker. Lynn also said she felt increasingly isolated in the marriage. Oh, poor baby. The Trump divorce. <laughs> With the same anonymous sources and exclamation points it would use to chronicle the demise of their marriage, the website gossip extra broke news of the couple's engagement minutes after it took place in late 2014. State Attorney David Edward asked my ex wife Dr. Shirley Miriam to top Eiffel Tower. She said yes. They'd met years earlier, Lynn Ehrenberg told the Washington Post when he was a state senator in the 2000s, she described herself as a lifelong Republican and him as a short Democrat? Short Democrat, who nevertheless appealed to her. They married on a beach in 2015. The gossip site covered that too. Although she put aside cheerleading years ago to build a career in publicity, Ehrenberg, 37, said her husband's Liberal supporters came to regard her as the hayseed wife, nearly 10 years his junior, with intolerable politics. So he's 47, so that's a little bit younger than me, which is kind of like my age. It wasn't an issue at first, but that was before the Hillary Trump saga. But hayseed wife. <laughs> with intolerable politics yes it wasn't an issue at first but that was before the hillary trump saga and as that built the tessier relationship built despite his affiliation in the florida state house Ehrenberg is not exactly a party line democrat he was elected to the state attorney's office in 2012 with the help of republican donors according to the palm beach post very interesting. And the prosecutor has been spotted multiple times at Trump's Mar-a-Lardo club. No shit. According to the newspaper, despite backing Hillary Clinton in the 2016 race, investigating assault accusations against Trump's campaign manager that year, and recent reports that he may be considering a bid for U.S. Congress under the Democratic banner. While Lynn Ehrenberg has been a Trump fan since his days on The Apprentice, she owns a three-legged dog named Ivanka. What? She had a three-legged dog, like my dog to be. She said her husband had known the mogul for years. She had a fucking three-legged dog, just like me. It's my dog, the baker. He raised political funds in Mar-a-Lago, she said, and took to her to the resort nearly every weekend. Huh. Even his 
Diperdon's brand became increasingly toxic to her husband's liberal base. Walking through the red carpet, he's sneaking through the bushes. She said, recalling selfies she snapped with the, <laughs> with the future president and his wife, Melania, while her husband would run and hide from the photographers. <laughs> He'd asked me not to take pictures. He wouldn't want me to post them, she said. I did not listen to him. <laughs> Her Facebook wall and photo galleries attest to that. Grinning with Melania Trump in multiple photos. Posing with the future president in a gold trim ballroom on New Year's Eve three weeks before he moved into the White House. <laughs> That's funny. So Trump causes their divorce. Palm Beach Confidential. Prosecutors try to keep deposition of state attorneys. Prosecutors try to what? Oh, shit. Miami Herald. Prosecutors try to blah, blah, blah. Well, let me read it. That's funny. See a bit more picture of him. He's on Wikipedia, too. Oh, you. According to Wikipedia, Abe Ehrenberg is the state attorney for Palm Beach County, Florida, and a former member of the Florida Senate. In 2002, she was elected to the Senate in 2000, as its youngest member and served for eight years as a Democrat. I think he's quite good looking. Seated by Tom Rothman. It's a Harvard. Got his Harvard law degree. Attorney Parson in the Senate worked as a lawyer in both the public and private sectors. He was serving in the Florida Attorney General's Drugs Are in 2012 when he announced his candidacy for the Palm Beach County. State attorney who was first elected, re-elected without opposition on May 6, 2016. Morning Joe was his weekly guest on MSC's Morning Joe to discuss legal issues, particularly those related to the criminal justice system, personal life. She's a convert to Judaism. All right. Uh, Lynn Lewis. Okay, okay. But she doesn't have a, uh, she doesn't have a, um, Wikipedia. <laughs> she was a cheerleader. Big Sir, Lovely Morning Photographer, Lynn Lewis Photography. Price is photography or PR? Hmm. 
Uh, that's not the same Linda, that's... See her? Okay, here we go. GOP cheerleader. Divorces done. State attorney husband over lack of what? Kind of looks like a phony. See on the beach. Alright. Fair enough. Oh my gosh, she looks like such a phony. <laughs> Get freaking cold. Wouldn't supposed to have my dogs keep me warm. I can get one dog. Fucking bitches put down my. My pit bull, and then took away all my other pets, including my dog Baker. <sighs> it's gonna be long, hard fight to get him, get, get him back. It'd be a miracle. Thirteen hours ago, Diaper Dog begs for final chance to remove federal gag. Ooh la la. It's Michael Popak, Legal AF. When it comes to gag orders and immunity, Donald Trump doesn't just like to lose once. He likes to lose several times, including at least two times at every appellate level. What am I talking about? Donald Trump has now asked the D.C. Court of Appeals and all nine of its members to rehear his argument that he should not be gagged in a limited gag, albeit, uh, against attacking witnesses and certain court staff that was issued in the early part of December by the D.C. Court of Appeals in a three-judge panel written by Judge Millett. They, he didn't like that result. So rather than just go down 3-0, he wants the chance to go down 9-0. What am I talking about? He should have raided his He's property, not for mine. Bank, e -N -B -A -N -C, on bank review, which means under Rule 35 of the Rules of Appellate Procedure, you can ask under certain circumstances, very limited ones, you can ask if you don't like the results and you're the losing or the losing go end. Go get the rest of, of our national secrets at Mar-a-Larda, you motherfucking pigs.
panel at the federal appellate level. But still, you can but ask tickets, to have all of the you. judges sit in rows and rows and rows and rehear the entire case. Now, in order for them to agree to do that, at least a majority of the panel, in this case, nine of the D.C. Court of Appeals, have to agree that but it should be on Bonkert. Just means they're voting to whether there should be an on banc rehearing or not, not whether they're going to ultimately vote for uh, that particular issue one way or the other, just procedurally whether there should be. So he's got to get five, and then he's got to convince another f five in total, majority wins, of the nine that he should prevail and he should not be gagged the way the limited gag order went into place on the D.C. Court of Appeals. Donald Trump frequently, at least most recently, has been asking for these on banc rehearings, and he keeps losing, as does, I believe, Mark Meadows, who's just at the same thing at the 11th Circuit about a motion that he filed. Donald Trump just lost last week to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals uh, when, he, when uh, he did not like the fact that in a 3-0 decision, the three-judge merits panel of the Second Circuit ruled that he does not have presidential immunity to stop next week's E. Jean Carroll defamation and punitive damage case against him in New York, Southern District of New York, trial-level court, because primarily because his lawyers waived the argument because they didn't raise it for almost three years they didn't raise it at the beginning of the case. They always knew the guy used to be president, right? You think, hey, step number one, when you're representing a former president, maybe you should raise presidential immunity if you really think it applies. Not three years later, two separate trials, you know, all sorts of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of filings before, oops, I should, <laughs> I should have had a V8. I should have applied presidential immunity. Wrong. Loses. And so now he wants to lose in front of the entire en banc panel of the, the Second Circuit, and that just got rejected last week. So what are we doing now in the D.C. Court of Appeals about the gag order? He doesn't like the result either from earlier December, so he's asking, you have to brief this, he's asking the entire panel to consider and do a thumbs up, thumbs down, whether he gets to, to be reheard. Well, Jack Smith just filed his brief in opposition. And that just gave Jack Smith to do something that Donald Trump is being driven up the wall and mad, including all of his lawyers, every time Jack Smith gets to file a piece of paper that reminds the public of all the evidence against Donald Trump and all the fact-finding against Donald Trump that's already been made. Why Donald Trump wants to continue to allow Don, uh, Jack Smith and the special counsel's team right, to hit him in the solar plexus time and time again. I mean, talk about leading with your chin. Uh, this, this is Donald Trump leading with his chin. And then you just see Alina Hava get on television. Oh, Jack Smith just loves his press conferences. He's only had two. <laughs> One that I can recall when he, when he brought the indictments. That's all he ever does. He doesn't talk after that. You barely see him. He puts the Subway Subway sandwich under his arm in his dark suit, in his black, you know, Tom McCann shoes, and walks to court chop, chopping wood, stacking it up. That's all he does. Who even knows what any of these prosecutors look like? There's a list of them at the back of this brief I'm going to read you. I defy anyone to give me an artist rendering of what any of these people, other than Jack Smith, look like. But it just, it just confounds Donald Trump that every time, talk about boomerang, every time he files something, Jack Smith gets to file something and remind the public of the weight of the evidence and the, and the fact-finding done and the indictment and the orders against him. And so I'm going to give you an example of it right here. Only on the Minus Touch Network. Let me go to the filing. 
just in. <laughs> this just in. It starts, as all briefs do, with an opening paragraph that lawyers like to call the introduction or preliminary statement. Here's what it says. The defendant, Donald J. Trump, has, quote, repeatedly attacked those involved in this case through threatening public statements, as well as messaging daggered at likely witnesses and their testimony. Note to self, I like the word daggered messaging. I'm going to use that in a brief. And he cites to what? This D.C. Court of Appeals decision on the 8th of December, United States versus Trump. Continuing, the brief continues, recognizing that such attacks threaten the fairness and integrity of these proceedings, the district court issued an order restraining the parties and their counsel from making public statements that target the parties, counsel and their staffs, court personnel, and any reasonably foreseeable witness or the substance of their testimony. That was Judge Chutkin's original decision that got modified slightly on appeal by the three-judge panel, D.C. Court of Appeals. This court, the brief continues, affirmed the decision to issue the order, Judge Chutkin's order, but narrowed its scope to maximize the amount of protected speech allowed to Trump while still averting the substantive evil of unfair administration of justice. The court's decision adheres to Supreme Court precedent and does not conflict with the decisions from its sister circuits. The rehearing petition should be denied. And now we got the opportunity for them to go after Donald Trump because he's basically given them the opening for it. In the background section, which you almost always include in a brief, it first outlines, from the special counsel's position, the Trump's extrajudicial statements, meaning statements he's made outside the courtroom. This case, the brief states, stems from the defendant's efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election and prevent the lawful transfer of power to his successor. That might as well be the opening line for the, for the opening statement when the trial starts. From the outset, the brief continues on page two, the defendant Trump has used social media to make prejudicial comments about the case and its participants. Three days after the indictment and one day after his initial appearance, he issued the public threat, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, and then followed through on that threat with statements attacking the district court, the special counsel, his family members, and his staff, and trial witnesses, who are expected to offer inculpatory meaning, pointing the finger uh, in terms of uh, prosecution, uh, a testimony against Trump. Such attacks follow a pattern, brief continues, stretching back years in which the defendant has publicly targeted state and federal officials, judges, and poll workers who, who resisted his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. That's Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, who just got a $148 million check from the jury against Rudy Giuliani. Similar attacks continue to this day in other cases involving the defendant. Then they focused on, the next section of the brief focuses on the actual order. What is the order? And why were they wrong requiring reconsideration by en banc all nine people? And then I'm going to talk to you about the math, while the math doesn't work for Donald Trump at all. Even if he got five votes to hear the thing, he'd have to almost run the table. I'll do it now, since I'm already there. there let's do the math with me. There are nine full members of the D.C. Court of Appeals. In order to win, ultimately, if you, if you get the rehearing, you got to get five of them on your side and four opposed. So five have to vote for you. So watch the math. He already knows that three are against them because they're the three that wrote the original decision. So of the remaining six, 
He has to get five out of the six. He has to almost run the table to win. Does anybody out there watching Legal AF for this hot take think that Donald Trump is going to convince five out of the remaining six to go against their colleagues, led by a very well-respected Judge Millett, and ruled up, they got it wrong, and then they cite a couple of cases, and the brief does a good job here for Jack Smith to say why the cases that they cite are completely in opposite or no longer good law and shouldn't be applied at all. Because there's very limited grounds to getting what's called an en banc. You don't burden the court. You don't always get all nine judges. Three judges are enough to make binding precedent in any circuit. That's the way it works. You don't like your three judges? Tough. Ask for en banc or go to the U.S. Supreme Court if you can. The order under review, just to remind everybody, is as a finding as the district court did that the defendant's public attacks pose a significant and immediate risk that witnesses will be intimidated or unduly influenced that attorneys, public servants, and other court staff will themselves be targets for threats and harassment. And therefore, we have this, this narrowed prohibition, or what has been referred to colloquially as the gag order. And here is the, the actual order. Applying this standard, the court concluded the defendant's documented pattern of speech and its demonstrated real-time, real-world consequences, right? The call and response between Trump and his terrorist followers pose a significant and an imminent threat to the functioning of the criminal trial process in this case. That's on page four of the brief. And they also found, the, the appellate court, certain speech about counsel and staff working on the case pose a significant and imminent risk of impeding the adjudication of this case. That the record supplied below from Judge Chutkin provided a sufficient predicate for the district court to have imposed a limitation or some limitation on trial participants' speech. Then one of my favorite parts is where, after they go through the uh, the order, Jack Smith gets yet another opportunity to nail Donald Trump. Nail him because he's opened the door by filing this motion for rehearing that has no merit. Um, and particularly, they say the following about the evidence in the case, only be, again, not gratuitously, only because Donald Trump's lawyers have raised the issue. In fact, they say on page, the brief says on page 15, that the court's assessment of the factual record does not warrant further review. In other words, the appellate court, having assessed the record developed below by Judge Chutkin at the trial court level, is fine. There's no other review that needs to be done. They say that on page, uh, on page uh, 15, the defendant contends that in assessing the factual record, the court, meaning the three-judge panel, failed to demand the requisite solidity of evidence. Uh, and here's what they say about that. The defendant has gone after known and potential witnesses, including his former vice president and chief of staff, and told another potential witness that he shouldn't testify before a grand jury in a matter involving overlapping facts. Trump has lashed out at government officials closely involved in the criminal proceeding and even spoken publicly about their family members. He has repeatedly attacked both the presiding judge and his law clerk in a New York State law, uh, lawsuit. That's the New York civil fraud case presided over by Judge Angoron and his principal law clerk in his, uh, who assists him. At, and these examples come on the heels of similar attacks by Trump on public servants in the wake of the 2020 election. These attacks have real-world consequences that have turned lives upside down, going far beyond mere heckling. This is the, the, 
this is the special counsel turning Donald Trump's words in his brief and otherwise back on himself. And so based on that, and based on the analysis of what is required in order to get an en banc reconsideration, a split in the circuit, an issue of, where they've gotten the facts wrong, uh, even the um, you know, other issues related to uh, the importance of this case do not merit, as far as the law is concerned, othering and burdening the nine members. And I've already outlined for you in the middle of the hot take why the math is just totally against Donald Trump. Okay, I will eat my microphone on the air for charity if Donald Trump gets the reconsideration on Bonk that he's asking for. And even if he got it, if he were able to convince five of the remaining six that haven't already voted against him to vote for him, not happening. He's already lost the Second Circuit. They did it with a one-line denied. Don't expect much more from the D.C. Court of Appeals. They're not going to do a whole... You know, they got this brief. There's one more brief to come from Donald Trump. We'll report on, on Legal AF on the Midas Touch Network. And then, boom, we're going to see a one-line denied. And then the next stop on the train for Donald Trump is if he wants to keep pressing his luck, and I mean that in all literal senses of the word, is that he takes an appeal or tries to ask for an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. I would not recommend that he do that <laughs> if I were, you know, able, you know, if I were, if I were in a position of representing Donald Trump, which I am not. Donald Trump does not need to have the question of whether he has absolute immunity about defaming and, and sexually assaulting somebody uh, up on the Supreme Court level to, term, to determine whether there is civil presidential immunity. While they're trying to decide whether there is criminal presidential immunity for a decision that hasn't yet come up to them, while they're continuing to decide at the Supreme Court level whether two out of Donald Trump's claims or uh, charges against him in his indictment in D.C. can be dismissed, while they're considering whether he should be banned under the 14th Amendment or states can ban him under the 14th Amendment, do you think Donald Trump think, would think it's a great idea to throw onto that list, that pile? Here's another one for you, Supreme Court. Can I, you know, can I be gagged? While I'm down in sec, you know, down in the District Court of Appeals in participating, yes or no, he does not need that. It would be great for us, by the way, because if the Supreme Court just lined all these issues up, jumping in two hands and two feet into the world of Donald Trump, he's not going to run the table at the United States Supreme Court either. He's not going to win ballot banning. I don't get to be banned, but I get – he'd have to win. I get to have my indictment dismissed because I was president when my crimes were committed. Not happening. I, I, 14th Amendment doesn't ban me from the ballot at the Supreme Court level. That's 50-50. I have civil presidential immunity from things outside the outer perimeter of my job description. Not happening. I have immunity that I haven't waived against defaming a woman, a victim, whose claims that I sexually assaulted her. They're not ruling in your favor on that one. Um, again, you need five votes at the United States Supreme Court level to do it. Put Alito and Thomas aside for a minute. And I already did another hot take about why Thomas shouldn't even be here. We should be talking about eight people making decisions, not nine, because he should be recused because of his, his, uh, his close, intimate relationship with his own wife, who is part of the insurrection. Well, let's say it's nine. You need five. So Alito and Thomas are out. That leaves the heart of this. Let's assume that John Roberts rules against Trump, as he has in the past on m 
most, if not all, of these issues I've just described. He and the other three that we think we can count on, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Ketanji Brown-Jackson, that makes four. We need one more. Where does that come from? Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, or Amy Coney Barrett. And that's what you have to aim for. And you got to hope that on some cases you get Kavanaugh over, some cases you get Gorsuch over, and or all of them. I mean, Roberts is going to try for to try to get at least a seven to two decision on some of these momentous, monumental, earth shattering, republic shattering decisions. We, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. You know, and Kavanaugh seems to be the likely target because he's done some writing in cases involving Trump that indicate that he thinks there's limits to what Donald Trump's allowed to do. And he doesn't want to set the precedent of having criminal immunity for any president in the future who can just kill a man in the White House and get away with it. I don't think that's where the Supreme Court wants to be. You know, they've acted like, you know, they've been whistling past the graveyard. with, Well, the, you know, we're fine ethically and everything's great here. We had a great year at the Supreme Court. Let's talk about artificial intelligence and the chief justice's annual report of all things, not ethics, right? Not the reputation of the Supreme Court, not the, um, not the, you know, it's supposed to be a co-equal branch of government in which most people do not have any kind of credibility or faith in. No, let's talk about artificial intelligence. That seems fun and interesting and modern. All right. You better stop writing stupid uh, end-of-year speeches that were probably written by AI, Justice uh, Chief Justice uh, Roberts, and start focusing on getting votes and collecting votes and whipping up votes to uh, protect our democracy. That's where we're going. So we'll continue to follow matters of importance at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. One place, the uh, Midas Touch Network and Legal AF. Help them get to 2 million free subscribers. They're so close. They're only about, I don't know, 90,000 short. They should get there by later in the month. Please help them do that. Help them turn that otometer over to 2 million. And until my next hot take, until my next Legal AF, which is, which is Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the Midas Touch Network and on audio podcast platforms wherever you can find them. This is Michael Popak reporting. Thanks so much for watching. We're only a few subscribers short of 2 million subs. Please subscribe right now to the Midas Touch YouTube channel for free and help us grow this unapologetically pro-democracy network.
couldn't see what's going on. <clears throat> Let's check this out. Diaperdon refuses to sign the loyalty oath to Constitution. I haven't worn a bra since I got this. Should be fucking disqualified. I've been disqualified. using the Shaper Jimmy from Shaper Mint since... ...after uh, the attack on the Capitol. I'm just curious, Mr. Secretary, do you view uh, Donald Trump as a threat to American democracy? Well, first of all, good to be with you, Jim. Um, it is a tragic day in our, our nation's history. And, and yes, I, I do regard him as a, a threat to democracy. Democracy as we know it, our institutions... Uh, our, our political culture, all those things that make America great um, and have defined us as, you know, the, the oldest democracy on this planet. That was Donald Trump's former Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, saying that Donald Trump is a threat to our democracy. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. That wasn't a Democrat. That isn't a lefty. That is Donald Trump's own former Secretary of Defense saying Trump is absolutely a threat to our democracy. And over the weekend, as we mourned January 6th and the travesty that took place that day, Donald Trump continued to support insurrectionists and just outright explained that he wants to overthrow our democracy. Donald Trump is refusing in Illinois to sign a loyalty oath saying that he won't advocate for overthrowing the government, even though Trump signed this loyalty oath. It's a very simple loyalty oath. President Biden signed it. All candidates signed this because it just simply says, I'm not going to overthrow the United States government. <laughs> Donald Trump is refusing to sign it right now in 2024. Let me just show you uh, what this oath looks like. It's a vestige from the 1950s, and all the candidates just sign this. Trump's refusing to sign it. Here's what it says. I, Joseph Biden, do swear or affirm that I am a citizen of the United States and of the state of Delaware, that I am not affiliated directly or indirectly with any communist organization or any communist front organization or any foreign political agency, party, organization, or government which advocates the overthrow of the constitutional government by force or other means not permitted under the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of this state that I do not directly or indirectly teach or advocate the overthrow of the government of the United States or of this state or any unlawful change in the form of the government thereof by force or any unlawful means. Signed, President Joe Biden. Donald Trump's refused to sign that document. The story here was uh, broken by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times collectively that, uh, that broke this story. This is a decades-old tradition to sign this. And here's what the article says. Trump did not sign Illinois loyalty oath that says he won't advocate for the overthrowing of the government. The Democrats, President Biden's campaign statement comes in response to this report published earlier that showed Donald Trump did not sign the state's loyalty oath as part of his package of ballot access paperwork submitted Thursday to the Illinois State Board of Elections. 
that omission coming just days before the third anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, for which Trump has been criminally charged, is a departure from his presidential candidacies of 2016 and 2020 when he affixed his signature to the oath both times. Quote, for the entirety of our nation's history, presidents have put their hand on the Bible and sworn to protect and uphold the Constitution of the United States. And Donald Trump can't bring himself to sign a piece of paper saying he won't attempt a coup to overthrow our government. Biden campaign spokesman Michael Tyler said in a statement Saturday, we know he's deadly serious because three years ago from today, he tried and failed to do exactly that. This is the same man who thinks American troops who died protecting the ideals outlined in the Constitution are suckers and losers, yet calls the convicted felons who violently assaulted and killed police officers on January 6th hostages. He can't fathom putting anything, our country, our principles, or the well-being and safety of the American people above his own quest for retribution and power. So, in addition to not signing that, Donald Trump has also refused to sign or say that he has signed off on the oath of office. Donald Trump, uh, in as part of his argument why he should not be disqualified under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, Trump claims that he is not an officer and he never took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. And this isn't, oh, Ben, this is hyperbole. Why would you just say that? Okay, well, this is Donald Trump's legal filing before the Colorado Supreme Court. It's the same argument he's making before the United States Supreme Court. Donald Trump states in this that Donald Trump did not take the oath to support the Constitution of the United States, and it says the presidency is also not an office, quote, under the United States, and the president is not an officer of the United States, and Trump did not take an oath to support the Constitution. That's what Donald Trump is saying over the weekend uh, on the solemn solemn anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. But by the way, President Joe Biden is punching back President Biden posted the following over the weekend. I said Donald Trump is willing to sacrifice our democracy to put himself in power. I wasn't exaggerating, and it is uh, the story that I just shared with you. Donald Trump didn't sign loyalty oath for Illinois ballot that pledges not to advocate the overthrow of the government. And by the way, just take a look at what Donald Trump was saying over the weekend as Americans throughout the country uh, reflected on the solemn day that is the January 6th insurrection from January 6th, 2021. Here, Donald Trump 